0: And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, I'm calling for something on this podcast. And it's not the removal of Vic Fangio and his incompetent coaching staff. Because we're beyond that. I am now calling for every single person listening to this podcast, every single Broncos fan, to stop giving money to this franchise until change is instituted. Don't go to the games. Don't give them concession money. Stop buying merchandise. Because that is the only way the necessary change is going to get instituted. You have to make Joe Ellis and this franchise feel it in the pocketbook. They have had a blank check for far too long. It is time for this organization to feel the wrath of a pissed-off Broncos country. And that's by not supporting this garbage fire of an organization, because that's what it is. This is beyond embarrassing. It's beyond pathetic. It is beyond a slap in the face to Pat Bowen and the 30 years that he was the owner of this franchise and everything that he tried to instill. It's a slap in the face to the greatest coach in the history of this franchise. When he is memorialized for in, in Broncos history forever, this is now going to be how people remember his induction into the ring of fame. This has to stop, and the only way it is is if people stop giving their money to this organization.
1: I cannot agree with you any more than I already do. Uh, I, this, this is something that, you know, just to go through the progression of the season, right, the 3-0 start was very nice, and, and we were excited. Uh, I, I would even say it wasn't even tempered excitement on my part. I was I was all in and then when this type of loss happened against the ravens and then it you know and it was it wasn't this bad but when when they lost to the ravens it was understandable because that's a really good franchise that's a team that's going to go compete for the super bowl that's a team that you aspire to be as good as they are but you know you're not not yet when it happened against the steelers it was confusing this this was a team that came in to the game as if they had completely fallen off the map in the NFL, the Steelers, and were done. They were being written off. Ben Roethlisberger is is just a potato, as I believe many of us have described him, uh, and, and they are going to lose out, and it's terrible, and whatever, right? Now that it has happened again against the Raiders, it is infuriating. It is absolutely unacceptable what took place on that football field at home, Mile High Stadium. On the day when they are, as you said, inducting Mike Shanahan into the Ring of Fame, the greatest coach in the history of the franchise, is being honored for his accolades, everything that he was able to accomplish with this franchise. They put him in the Ring of Fame at halftime, and during that game, they completely failed. They failed us as fans. They failed us. Mike Shanahan, they failed the alumni alumni week. You're going to you're going to have alumni week the week of the Raiders arriving in Denver and you're going to put a performance on the field like that. Not only that, but the Raiders have come into this game with a head coach forced to resign because of whatever, right? And you can have your own opinions about that. The fact is that's a team in turmoil. That's a team that has had its entire season turned Upside down, and rather than put them into the woodshed and beat them, you fold. You are a feckless, disappointing dumpster fire and I love I have to say I love the fact that I tweeted out uh, a gif of a dumpster fire and said that that's what Bronco the Broncos look like currently and I got called out because the dumpster that I selected was moving forward so rapidly that someone called me (laughs) out and said actually that dumpster is actually moving forward and the Broncos can't even do that so uh, it, it is insane to me that this is this is what they became after three weeks of looking like they were going to at least be competitive, right? It would. There, I, no one was saying after the first three weeks that they were a Super Bowl team, and if they were, if people were saying that they were lying to themselves, but people were saying they would be competitive because they looked like they would be competitive, and three weeks in a row, they have looked like the the proverbial dog doo doo that they they must be. Because I'm sorry, I cannot believe that they are any better than the excrement that is left behind by a dog with diarrhea as it runs into the park. Because it's just awful what they put out on the field. The product is garbage. It is puke. And you are absolutely right. There is no reason for us to give them any money anymore until change happens. And I'm talking about huge change. Yes. Because this, to me, is is this isn't Pat Bolin football. This no. is the Joe Ellis way absolutely and you talk about people writing checks for themselves Joe Ellis is at the top of that list he has turned this into his own personal golden goose and it has to stop it has to stop as as soon as possible I don't know what what the possibilities are with that and and I know that here we are at the end of a game and we're supposed to be breaking it down and
0: there's nothing to it's, break down it's, it's because just, what we what we talked about coming into this I said that I joked on our pregame podcast last week where you would have to try to get outcoached by a team without a head coach. Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, Pat Shermer, Tom McMahon, that entire coaching staff just got outcoached by a coaching staff without a head coach. That's what just happened to Vic Fangio and this coaching staff. That defense was torched by Derek Carr. I think Darren Waller had four catches on Sunday. Four catches. I think that was the total for one of the best tight ends in football. Where is the secondary that we have heard so much about where George Payton says it's easier to find a quarterback than a cornerback? I'm so glad they drafted Pat Sertan the second. I'm so glad they added Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller. I'm so glad they extended Justin Simmons. Where the hell has he been this season other than getting burnt, like burnt toast? The defense has been non-existent. The offense is boring. Teddy Bridgewater looked like Drew Locke. I mean, I I, I have nothing nice to say. At all. If anyone is, if this is acceptable to anyone listening to this, I don't know what to say to you because the rest of this season is going to be horrible. They now have to go into Cleveland against a team that just lost to the Cardinals at home. Lord almighty Baker Mayfield might drop 50 on this defense.
1: His arm was in a sling at the end of the game uh, during his press he could conference. left and, and I think you're, I think you're still right.
0: Baker Mayfield could play quarterback left-handed against this defense, and he would torch them. Where was Von Miller? Where was Malik Reed? Where was the pressure on Derek Carr? I think Ma- Andrew Mason tweeted it out just a couple of minutes ago, where he said, "Quarterback hits Raiders seventeen, Broncos 4. I'm surprised they had that many and i'm speaking about the broncos
1: yeah so i just was I, I i was just looking at some stats here here's here's a fun one for you the broncos had two sacks you know who had them simon fletcher <laughs> yeah, i wish kareem jackson and bryce callahan so your two sacks came from your <laughs> from, from a safety and a, and a cornerback would you would you like to know how many how many sacks the raiders had just to, just just to kind of you know, make sure we understand what happened here. Let me see I if think I can, it was fifteen. Let me see if I can add this up here. I've got uh, I, I got a half a sack here at the top. I don't know why, but we'll go with three from Max Crosby. Max Crosby had three sacks against the Denver Broncos. That's a heck of a day. Quentin Jefferson had one. Damian Square and uh and and Corey Littleton uh, matched up for that half sack is what it looks like. So if I'm not mistaken, that's one, two, five, five sacks, five, five. Oh, I thought it was more than- yeah, well, the hits were a lot. But the, yeah, 17 the, hits. 17 hits is and and that's the point, right? 17 hits, 5 sacks. Teddy Bridgewater was running for his life because the offensive line was uh miserable. It was it was a a sieve. It was it was I would dump my pasta into that offensive line to get the pasta water off of it after boiling it because it would work very well. And this is this is the problem. This is the problem that that we have to address here, and it's not. I'm not saying the offensive line is a problem, although that it is. The entire team, top to bottom, was garbage, and we keep coming back to yeah. that. And it's I'm, I just don't, I don't have any That's other an adjectives. I don't I don't have any other adjectives to describe what we watched. I, I love the the term feckless. Flaming poo. Uh, fl- yeah, flaming garbage, vomit. flaming poo, vomit, puke. I, I, you you pick it right. Ineffective, a porta potty rolling down the hill. I, I mean, the the word to me is 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 unprepared. Yes, and that and that's where it lands, right? We can go through all the the you know idioms and the colloquialisms and the the you know the the conversations about you know how do we want to describe this? Unprepared, yep. and I and that's the that's where that's where my anger goes away, and I just I just shake my head and go, how can you be so Unprepared, because that's what they were, and and f- forget all the fun little stats here. Like I pulled, I pulled up some stats. I just was like, well, let's let look at the stats, right? Because I I thought, well, let's let's see what it looks like. Let me let me read you a couple lines here. Noah Fant nine catches, ninety seven yards and a touchdown on eleven targets. That's that's a great day for him, right? Isn't that a great day for Noah Fant? He also had another key penalty. Yeah, except for all of the penalties that he committed. Cortland Sutton, eight catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown. That is a great day for him. Minus the huge drop earlier in the game. A couple of big drops, if you ask me. Tim Patrick, three catches, 42 yards, and a touchdown. That's not a bad day for Tim Patrick. Too bad he disappeared
0: in the second half completely. Minus the the, uh, crackback block that he got flagged for. A
1: little bit rough. Here's a fun one. Javante Williams, 11 rushes, 53 yards, 4.8 yards a carry. That ain't bad. I, I mean, I, I'm trying to find something. Ten rushes, fifty yards for Melvin Gordon. Five yards a carry. That ain't bad. <laughs> how how can you be?
0: How uh, I don't. I think it, 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 it's it's not just here. it's not just unprepared. I think it's lifeless. There was no emotion from this team. No emotion at all. I and I don't get that. And I wrote a story on Sunday morning for Horse and asking the question, are the Raiders still a hated rival? And I think for the fans, for the most part, it is. From an organizational standpoint, no. Because I was on with Ryan Edwards on Broncos Country tonight on Friday, and he told me something that still has not sat well with me. And that is the bromance between Von Miller and Derek Carr. And I have, I, I get it. You're, everyone in the league is buddies. It, it's rare to be a professional football player. You want to enjoy it. But a Broncos linebacker and a Raiders quarterback. And the joke that I made on the show with Ryan was, can you imagine Tom Jackson texting Ken Stabler? I can. I actually, I can. But it, it wouldn't
1: be polite. It wouldn't be a nice text. It would be It would be something about Ken Stabler's mom and something about how he's going to drive Kenny Stabler into
0: the ground on Sunday. And <laughs> so yes, I mean, I can imagine I, I'm not, it. I'm, I'm not saying that that is the reason the Broncos lost. It's not. But I'm just saying there isn't that organizational hatred for the Raiders anymore. And I think it goes again to the top of the incompetent Joe Ellis. He has been the one who has been ahead of this ship from the beginning when it started to go downhill after that Super Bowl win. You know he's I, been he's been the one in charge of all of this. He has. I I do have a question though
1: that I, I and I this is a post game recap, but I think it that's it's part of it.
0: Who is cares it, about the game? I, know. <laughs> I mean
1: <laughs> the game was awful. Is it possible, and this is this is something that I think is, is worth the conversation, is it possible that because of the Raiders' um, ineffectiveness over the course of the last 20 years, the fact that they haven't really been a factor in the NFL since the last time they were in a Super Bowl, which was 20 years ago, is it possible that because of that, the Denver Broncos' current players – never really experienced in their time growing up or their time in the league a, a Raiders team that was that was worth hating. And I don't mean that in in a way that if they are a division rival and they are your your team's most hated rival. I get all that stuff. But in this in this modern world, right? We've got this modern sort of NFL and you just described it. Fon Miller is is buddies with Derek Carr for whatever reason. They do they do pa- you know, pass rusher camps where the pass rushers in the league get together and help each other kill each other's quarterbacks. And now you've got wide receivers doing it and you've got cornerbacks doing it. And you've got, you know, you've, you've got all these groups of players getting together and they're friends and they hang out and they do all these things. And so because of all that, on top of the fact that the Raiders have been a pointless franchise for the last 20 years, does it feel like that has seeped into the psyche of the Denver, the Denver Broncos don't players, current players, don't have the same hatred for the Raiders that you and I do because we grew up in a time when the Raiders were good and the Raiders were a challenge and we hated the Raiders and we grew up with parents who grew up in the 60s and 70s when the Raiders were the target and had to uh, eventually overcome that sort of that that boogeyman and get past them. In, and then in 1977, you've got the Orange Crush defense that eventually gets them to the Super Bowl, and they get past the Raiders at that point. And then, then you have the back and forth. The fans today, the, the kids that are out there, I can't believe I just said, these young kids today? But but quite frankly, the current fan base, the current 18 to 25-year-old, doesn't even know of any of the Raiders' success of the history of of the NFL because they probably don't look at it anyway. So the Raiders don't really matter. So this isn't that big a deal to them.
0: From an organizational standpoint, I would say that's why they have failed. You have a guy who, when he retired after the Super Bowl in nineteen eighty six, goes to ESPN and starts doing NFL Prime Time with Chris Berman in nineteen eighty seven. That was our introduction to Tom to Tom Jackson. We weren't old enough to remember Tom Jackson playing for the Broncos. I mean, I I I watched, I mean, I watched the drive, but. I don't remember that because Tom Jackson played in it. I
1: mean, I have some great Tom Jackson stories, but they have nothing to do with him playing football.
0: And so that was our introduction, our generation's introduction to Tom Jackson. But even when he did primetime, he hated the Raiders, and he made it abundantly clear that he hated the Raiders. He still hates the Raiders. All you have to do from an organizational standpoint to allow the, the new players to know what it's like, bring in the alumni of Tom Jackson, Randy Gratishar, all the guys who played in 1977 on that team. Bring them in and let them tell the new players what it's like to play the Raiders and why it matters. Have Mike Shanahan come in and do it. I I mean, I, prior to the game, I said, it's it's poetic justice that Mike Shanahan is getting inducted to the Ring of Fame on Raider Week. I don't feel that way now, but this is the worst poem ever. <laughs> it is. It's horrible. It's not even a poem. Doesn't it rhyme. It's a vanilla. You, we thought coming in it was going to be an, an Eminem lyric, the new, the new great Eminem lyric. Now we're left with Vanilla Ice ripping off David Bowie. But hey, the come whole on point, now. Ice
1: Ice Baby is is a classic. Don't, 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 don't come on. Let's let's not let's not go so crazy. <laughs> be careful now. I, we don't have the rights to that song.
0: <laughs> I, I'm just I, so I, the fans. I get like it, yes, the games have not mattered. That's why we constantly harp on it that it it does matter. Like yes, the Chiefs. Everyone hates the Chiefs. You can hate the Chiefs. That's fine. But it's the Raiders. Then the Chiefs. It will always be that way. And the Broncos can't beat the Chiefs anyway. And and apparently now they can't beat the Raiders. Either. But at least they have beaten the Raiders once. But that, to me, if the players don't feel that way, that's an organizational failure. Because the owner of the team had a to-do list of three things. And one of them was to beat the Raiders. And the guy who apparently learned from him, didn't learn from him, because here we are. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy.